This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Age of Radio. This podcast contains adult content. Some of the themes or topics may include information on murder, kidnapping, torture, dismemberment, Maybe some demonic content with information on positions and paranormal activity. This podcast will also include explicit, horrible and foul, socially unacceptable, totally uninhibited, adult themes language. So if you're easily offended, if you're easily triggered, then I highly suggest you turn this off now and if not... Just keep in mind, parental discretion is advised. Welcome everybody to Mysterious Circumstances Podcast. And as you can hear in the background, I got a full-blown thunderstorm going on right now. And it's a perfect setting to talk about a weird-ass death. (laughs) Legit perfect. And that death today is the death of Zygmunt Adamski, which is a pretty wild one out of England from 1980. It's just a lot of weird stuff going on. And if you listen to my last episode at the end, I explained, you know, some of the deaths and disappearances that I'm going to be covering from now on are going to be more on the just weird, strange, mysterious side. I'm not going to be covering just random missing persons cases. I'll still advocate for them. I'll still do all that. But like I said, unless I have an interview and I can interview a family member, a friend, something of that nature, uh, somebody related to the case, anything like that, that's probably the only time I'm going to be doing those cases. But Zygmunt Adamski is a weird one, and it has been covered a few times. But I had to take a look at it myself, as you guys know. I really don't put too much faith in, you know, other people's research. And I know that sounds bad, but I like to look at things myself. But before we get going, I do have to thank some new Patreon subscribers. We got Mindy Hull, Brian Cox, April Downs. If anybody else wants to enjoy all the bonus content that I have on there... I think I have about 80 episodes by now. Uh, All kinds of different shit on there. You can go to patreon.com slash mysterious circumstances. Check out some of the episodes. Check out the tiers. See if it's something you like. If it's not something you're into, that's totally fine too. I'm still all good with it. I do have some reviews to read. I'm probably going to wait until after the next episode to read those reviews because I do have a new one-star review. And that one-star review 
is in reference to the Tiffany Jenks episode that I did, because apparently, according to this person, I'm a horrible storyteller. I have bad grammar. Basically uneducated, just worthless. So, <laughs> it should be fun because of the fact my next episode is actually revisiting the Tiffany Jenks case. Uh, I'm going to sit down. I actually just interviewed him uh, last Sunday, and it's an interview with John Captain III. Me and him sat down for a couple hours. I hit him with a bunch of questions. He does a brief overview of the case, and then he gets into more details. He clarifies a lot of things. He responds to a lot of criticism and questions he has gotten. And I'm actually sitting down with him again this coming weekend, and we're going to do like a follow-up interview uh, because of questions I'm sure that I'll get in regards to the first interview. So there's that. After the next episode, I will read the reviews. So if you want to get a review in, now's the time. With all that behind us, my name is Justin. This is Mysterious Circumstances, and you're listening to The Death of Zygmunt Adamski. Let me shout off a couple sources here. We got historicmysteries.com. We got an Unsolved Mysteries on YouTube. We got a couple other videos on YouTube. I got Alan Godfrey Interviews, who is the first person to see the body. He was the first cop on the scene. Also have academic.com. And in June 2021, just a couple months ago, uh, Alan Godfrey actually did another interview on YorkshireLive.com. It's only like six or seven minutes long, but you can tell he still has a lot of invested interest in this case, and it still bothers him to this day. So, Zygmunt Adamski was born August 17th, 1923 in Poland, and he spent a lot of his life there. Now, depending on your source, in either 1951 or 1957, he married a woman who was known as Lottie. Her full name was uh, Lacadia, and in 1960... The couple relocated to Tingley, which is a small town near Wakefield in Yorkshire, England. Now, over the course of the next 20 years, they established themselves as they're just another married couple. They really wouldn't even stand out. Like, they're just normal as hell. He was a coal miner at Lofthouse Colliery. And he took care of his wife in later years as well. She had developed multiple sclerosis, so he spent a lot of his time taking care of her. And uh, they were just friendly, unassuming. They got along with most people. You know, just a regular random couple. Now on June 6, 1980, at 3.30 p.m., just a regular day, Zygmunt Adamski he goes off uh, for a short walk. He's going to hit the local shops. He has to buy a few groceries. His goddaughter's wedding is going to be the following day. So he's kind of preparing for that. Uh, Adamski, while he's walking, he talks to one of his neighbors as soon as he gets out of the house. His neighbor is just like, hey, you know, you excited about the wedding tomorrow? And Ziggy, who he was known as, his nickname was Ziggy. Ziggy is just like, yeah, yeah, definitely, you know, and the meeting was very cordial, very nice, just randomly two neighbors talking. Now, we do know Zygmunt Adamski made it to the shop. He did buy the groceries, 
but that is the last time that he was ever seen alive. Because sometime on his way home, he just disappeared. He vanished. Now for a man like Adamski to go missing for days at a time is completely out of character. The guy had a wife with multiple sclerosis that he was taking care of. He had actually just applied and been rejected for early retirement so that he could take care of his wife more at home. So for him to just randomly go missing like this definitely didn't make any sense. So on June 11th, 1980, five days later, at 3.45 p.m., Zygmunt Adamski's body is found. But it's found 20 miles away from where he disappeared in a town called Todd Morden. His body was discovered by a guy named Trevor Parker, who was the son of Tomlin's coal yard. Trevor Parker said he was on site from 8 a.m. to 11 a.m. and didn't see anything. The body obviously is found at 3.45 p.m., so this is roughly, you know, five, almost six hours after nobody had been in this coal yard. At 4.10 p.m., police arrive on the scene. The police constable, first one there, is a guy named Alan Godfrey. He gets up and goes to the body. His body is found on a 12-foot high pile of coal. This might not seem too strange to some people, but wait till we get into the details of this shit. When police constable Alan Godfrey got up to the body, he climbed up this 12-foot pile of coal and he looks down on the body and he says that his eyes were wide open staring upward and he said he had a look of absolute terror frozen on his face. And here's the exact quote from Alan Godfrey. Those eyes were staring up at me. I was looking down on him from a foot away. Those eyes sent a shudder down my spine. They were wide open. They had a look of someone who had seen something or someone that had scared him to death. Someone or something put him on top of that pile of coal and something scared him to death. Now, he's not the only person who says this shit, because the other officer on the scene who went up there and looked at the body said the exact same thing about the expression on his face. Said he's never been able to really shake that vision out of his head. He said it fucking terrified him. So they start examining the body, and there's no real signs of any kind of struggle so they kind of determine the cause of death to be a heart attack. And they figure, you know, like, obviously this guy wasn't beaten. The look on his face is completely screwed up. It almost looks like he was scared to death. So they're like, he must have died of a heart attack. And granted, these are two cops, okay? They're not physicians. Now here's where everything gets a little bit weird. The way the body was positioned... It was face up on top of a 12-foot pile of coal. There were no signs of a struggle at the scene. There was no evidence that anyone had climbed up or down the pile of coal. Now, for any of you who, I don't know, probably a lot of you guys are city folk, all right? Uh, ain't never been to rock quarry or any kind of, like, seen like a pile of rocks, pile of coal. When somebody goes up and down, you know, like you know. You can see the marks around it, okay? And there was nothing of the sort. 
It almost looked as if the body had just been set on top of this pile of coal. There were no signs that Adamski had been sleeping on the street, because keep in mind, this dude was missing for five days, all right? Really didn't look like he had any medical conditions that would have caused his death. He had a couple little abrasions on the palm of his hands and his knees, but not that bad. Now, like I said, he was gone for five days, but his beard only showed one day of beard growth. So he had been shaving this whole time. His hair had been cut. They said it had been cropped in a roughly cut manner. And then he had these strange burn marks around his neck, shoulders, and head. Alan Godfrey said the black burn marks were around the crown area of his head. And he kind of turned the head to see if there were any more on there. And he says there was a burn on the back of his neck, like at the base of his skull, like right at the top of his neck there on the back. And he said it was an open wound and it had been blistering up. But he said there was this yellow greenish type of ointment smeared across this wound. Adamski still had his suit on. He had a three-piece suit on, but... His shirt was nowhere to be found. His watch and wallet were also removed and missing. And it looked as though at some point Adamski had been naked and somebody else had attempted to put his clothes back on. And they didn't do a very good job. His coat was fastened up the wrong way. His trousers and shoes were both fastened crudely as if done by somebody who had very little idea how to do it. Like I had mentioned previously, no coal around the outside of this pile had been disturbed. There were no footprints. And one of the kickers is there was absolutely no coal dust found on Zygmunt Adamski's body. He had none on his hands. He had none on his legs. He had none on his face. Absolutely nothing. So they were like, it looks like he was actually dropped from above and just kind of sat on this pile of coal. Another weird thing, too, is this was in the middle of the day, within a five-hour time span, without disturbing any coal around him, and without anybody noticing. This happened all in the middle of the day. Now, after examining the body and the circumstances, Alan Godfrey, rightly so, believed that he was murdered elsewhere, and he was actually put there, like his body was placed there. But here's the deal. Why would a man... And Zygmunt Adamski's condition, be in a town he'd never been to, 20 miles away, on top of a pile of coal. And it looked like the guy was scared to death, literally. Well, that's what Dr. Alan Andrews was going to try to find out. Later that night, at 9.15pm on June 11th, Dr. Alan Edwards, he was the consulting pathologist at the Royal Halifax Infirmary. He conducted the post-mortem examination in Hebden Bridge. Dr. Edwards' professional judgment placed the time of death between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. on the day he was found. The burns on his body, or at least his neck, they said, were two days old but he had not checked himself into any hospital during this five-day time span. So what kind of ointment, what kind of gel was on him? They also found out that he had been eating well during his whole disappearance. 
but he had not eaten on the day that he died, which was earlier the same day that his body was found. The exact cause of death was so confusing and nobody could really figure it out that uh, the coroner, a guy named James Turnbull, it took him until November. It took him five months to actually register this. Now, coroner James Turnbull and pathologist Dr. Alan Edwards One of the biggest things with them is they could not identify this gel that was put over this wound, this opened burn wound. They sent it to the home office laboratory. Forensic scientists and toxicologists looked at it, and to this day it has never been identified. And if it has been, it's never been released to the public. So they gave it an open verdict and ruled his cause of death as a heart attack. And they gave it an open verdict because they don't know the circumstances of how the guy died. So, of course, rumors and all this other stuff start floating around. And you have to admit, when you hear the circumstances of this death, you guys, I know you guys, because I'm sitting here like, what in the hell happened to this guy? This is weird. Somehow, when Alan Godfrey had mentioned that it seemed like his body had been dropped from above, because literally this guy's on a 12-foot pile of coal. The coal around this body, nowhere on this pile, is disturbed. There's no coal dust anywhere on Adamski's body. So, of course, somebody takes that and runs with it. And they say, well, he must have been killed by a UFO and aliens and dropped on this pile of coal. All right. Now, I told you guys, uh, you know, like last week, a couple weeks ago, I don't know what episode it was. All right. I'm on a UFO kick lately. Okay. But I'm also a logical person. I'm also a hardcore skeptic. But you have to admit there's some weird shit going on here. And as it turns out, Britain was experiencing a series of UFO sightings around this time. And Todd Morden was actually dubbed UFO Alley because of all the sightings that had occurred there around this time. And apparently, this is a huge, huge apparently, supposedly, there were so many sightings at a certain point in time, they decided to build an observatory there. That's pretty crazy stuff. So let's let's kind of go over some of this stuff, okay? His clothes were not properly put on him. His trousers, his shoes were not tied right, his jacket was on backwards, he had no shirt, alright, even though he had his jacket on, wallet watch missing, had the strange burns, no coal dust, the look on his face, it seemed like he had been scared to death. There was no noticeable disturbance around this coal pile where his body had been dumped at the top of. Like I had mentioned, the burns were reported to be two days old with that unidentified gel substance. He only had one day of beard growth on him, despite being missing for five days. Now, they did find out later on that he had been suffering from heart problems and had been treated for them. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Now, going into some more facts and theories, in 2005, UFO investigators interviewed family members and they provided a case for human abduction because they learned that Zygmunt Adamski was in the middle of a family feud with a member who was having serious marital trouble. Now, the family member's wife had taken out a restraining order on her husband, and she decided to move in with Zygmunt and his wife. Now, the members of the family believed that Adamski may have been abducted by the man and held in a barn somewhere, during which they fed him, okay, they let him shave, apparently. They gave him this weird, cropped, crude haircut, and then supposedly he had a heart attack at some point for whatever reason. Now, they also said that the burn marks did kind of resemble acid burns, so maybe he was getting tortured. Maybe they were putting his clothes on in a hurry to get him the hell out of wherever they were holding him. Uh, But if you're going to torture somebody, I guess my big question is, why are you bothering to feed this guy well? Like, they didn't say he had just eaten over the course of the first four out of five days he was gone. They said he had eaten well. Why are you letting this dude shave? Why are you giving him this weird-ass haircut? Like, what's, you know, what kind of abductor is that? Some people theorize that the abductor had taken Adamski, like they did all this weird shit to him, and then dumped his body off in a known UFO hotspot to basically create this crime scene that would look like an alien abduction. Here's my problem with this, okay? We have a five-hour window, and actually it's shorter than that because his time of death was supposed to be somewhere between 11 a.m. and 1 p.m. the day he died. So it could have only been like a a three-and-a-half-hour window to where this guy died. They threw clothes on him. They somehow dropped him on a 12-foot pile of coal and didn't disturb any of the coal around him there's no they would have had to have literally carried him up this pile of coal i know a lot of you have never like climbed up a pile like that like at a rock quarry or coal or anything like that i know you guys haven't done it but it's hard like it's hard to carry yourself up there let alone carry somebody else up there because you can't there's no footing like you're constantly grasping for footing i guess the equivalent would be like if you're climbing up a 45 or 50 degree hill with about a foot of snow covering it that's kind of the only thing i can really compare it to like you can't get your footing so to think that The body was totally clean, with the exception of these burn marks, set on a 12-foot pile of coal by somebody who had abducted him, who had taken the time to feed this guy. I mean, were they just torturing him, and then he unexpectedly died, and they're like, oh shit, man, we better throw clothes back on this guy, because we've been keeping him naked, torturing him this whole time, or whatever the case might be, and uh, he accidentally died, so let's make it look like a weird alien thing, you know, let's drop him off in Todd Morton. I don't know, man. I mean, I could see the family member, uh, like, abducting him to the point where he couldn't attend his goddaughter's wedding. And then him accidentally dying, and then they do all this weird shit to this body, but still it doesn't answer the question of the position and where the corpse was found. 
and it also doesn't answer the question of the burn marks being at least the ones on his neck being two days old. And then where's this gel come into play? That's one of the things I don't get as well. Like you have forensic scientists and toxicologists who look at this shit and they're like, we don't even know what this is. And to this day, from what I understand, like this case is closed. From what I understand, it's not even open. And they have never really released details of the investigation or the case to the public. But why not? Like, if you don't want the rumors flying, why don't you just say, oh, well, we found out what this gel was. and Here's what it is. But they haven't done that. Like, they haven't said anything about it. So I found this website called ironskeptic.com. <laughs> and let me just reiterate, I am a skeptic. I don't think that he was abducted by UFOs and dropped off. Okay, I'll just tell you that right now. I don't, I don't think that. What I do know is I don't know what happened. I have no clue what happened. Like, hell, even they uh, they even suggested that he had killed himself. They're like, well, he was mad at his company for not letting him have early retirement to take care of his wife, so he killed himself. It's like, that kind of literally defeats the whole purpose of you wanting to retire to take care of your wife. You know what I'm saying? Like, why would you do that? And I know people have, you know, committed suicide for less. I get that. You know, crazy shit happens. But that is probably less plausible than being abducted by aliens in my book, all right? Because he did not climb up on that top of coal himself because, like I said, there was no dust anywhere on his body. Like, if you're climbing up that shit, you're going to be covered in dust. Your head, your face, your hands, your feet, your clothes, everything. He did not carry himself up there. So, who put him there? You know what I mean? But anyway, so we have this fun website called Iron Skeptic. And this is like the... Oh, man. Where'd it go? Oh, well, that's a shame. I actually found it the other day. And now I go to look it up and it says that there's an error and it's not found. Because I was going to tear this shit apart. I'm not even going to lie. Alright, well I will admit that is super weird because I read this article that was done in the Iron Skeptic. Hopefully it pops up again sometime. I don't know who the author was because obviously I can't look the damn thing up again. Absolutely nothing. The whole website is down, apparently. That is really weird, because I was literally going to read parts of this article to you guys and just shame this person. Because basically they were like, oh, the scientists couldn't identify Vaseline, so of course this weird gel on the on his neck has to be from an alien life form. I mean, here's a the deal. There's a difference between skeptics and just plain out-and-out out assholes, all right? So... To whoever wrote this article for Iron Skeptic, you're one of the latter. You're one of the assholes. Because, first of all, you have details of the case wrong when you're trying to go through and be a skeptic and debunk all this shit. Now, dude, now, I honestly can't, can't believe this website, HTTP error 404, not found. Okay, well, I mean, that is, uh, unfortunately, <laughs> takes away a lot of fun takes a lot of fun out of it for me. But yeah, like there's a difference between so if basically if if you go to check back in a few days or whatever and um yeah, I can't find it. Hopefully it pops back up and you guys can read it for yourself because this person when you're a skeptic at least provide some kind of facts or evidence to support your argument. 
Like, I cannot stress that enough because I'm sitting here as a skeptic. But if you're going to tell me that uh, forensic scientists and toxicologists couldn't identify Vaseline, so they just said it was something from outer space, you're full of shit. You're basically just down-talking people because, oh, that's impossible. You guys are idiots. Ha, ha, ha. No, that's not how skepticism should work. You should have an argument, a valid argument. You should be able to back it up with facts, evidence. First of all, nobody ever said that gel was from outer space, all right? Everybody agreed that they could not identify it, and it's still not identified to this day. And if it is, the police force has never released that information. The person who wrote the article also had details that were wrong. So it's like, listen, if you're going to like try to make somebody look like an idiot, don't look like an idiot yourself. That usually helps your cause a lot more. But anyway, hopefully that pops back up sometime. Go check it out. Look it up. You know, look it up. See if you can find it. Uh, if not, that's what a lot of skeptics, you know, talk about. They're like, oh, it's impossible. Blah, blah, blah. It wasn't an alien. Dude, nobody said he was abducted by aliens. Like, that was just one of the things that the press had run with because people said they don't know how he got on top of that pile of coal. So, get over yourselves, all right? You can try to make people look like idiots all day long. That's fine. But to be honest with you... You know, I don't know what happened. Hope maybe you guys do. Maybe you guys have a better idea than I do. But a uh, fun fact about that area of England as well. Uh, there were 850 reported UFO sightings from 2008 to 2018. Pretty weird, right? Like I said, they built an observatory there. There was actually scientists at the observatory that have come out and said, we have seen things that we cannot explain that defy physics as we know it. And these are scientists that literally work in an observatory and look at shit in outer space all day. So places dubbed UFO Alley, man. A lot of stuff going on there, apparently. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. At the end of the day, we got a weird case, weird circumstances. I don't know, I thought it was pretty interesting, and I hope you guys too. And like I said, the end of the next episode, I am going to read reviews. Uh, we do have like three or four, five stars I think I got, and then of course we got a one star, so you know it is what it is. Somebody said, uh, I will respond to one, like I, I'm not going to read it, but um, they said I cuss a lot, and uh, they still gave me five stars, which I do appreciate, but... Not all episodes are the same. Some I cuss a lot. Some I don't cuss very much at all. Some I don't cuss at all. In the interview with John Captain the Third, he asked me not to cuss. I didn't cuss the entire time. That's a two-hour interview. <laughs> so, and by the way, that thing will hit Patreon probably a day or two before it hits the main feed here this weekend. So I'm going to try to get it up early, early Friday morning uh, on the main feed. So it should be hitting Patreon before that. But anyway... Enough of all that. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Stay strange. And until next time, I'll see you on the flip side. 